0: Last week uh, I dealt with a large section of, of the end of chapter 16 and then most of chapter 17 of Second Samuel. The story of Absalom and his rebellion and yet how he was deceived by uh, actually accepting counsel that was designed to cause him to lose a battle. He got counsel from uh, Ahithophel, who had joined with him, uh, and Ahithophel's counsel actually was really good counsel if he wanted to defeat David, and at first he thought that was a, a great advice, and then he, because of his instability, I looked at that, he had an unstable heart. He wasn't someone who uh, had a, a solid foundation, Why was this? Because he had pursued ambitious desires. He had refused to address the issues of his heart, anger, bitterness, pride, rebellion, immorality, even his own, as we see in this passage when he sleeps openly with David's concubines on the advice of Ahithophel, which we'll see uh, some of the reason for that. So Absalom is unstable in heart and in the end he embraces the advice of Hushai who uh, gave him a very sound reasoning why he shouldn't go straight into battle with David. He needed the whole of the Israelite company to join with him. This was a, a, a fine um, a military expert, David, out there. Uh, and of course uh, Absalom knew of his father's victories, so he took Hushai's counsel and actually enabled David to retreat and gain strength for what will yet be the battle where Absalom is killed. Now, why did Ahithophel join Absalom? Well, he recognised the crowd. The crowd was supporting him. Isn't that easy to do? The crowd is supporting, so let's join in with the crowd Crucify him. Isn't that what the crowd said? Well, that was Ahithopal's uh, problem. His heart had been corrupted similarly by bitterness. Bitterness is an absolute destructive thing. Ahithophel was actually the grandfather of Bathsheba. Okay, the grandfather of of Bathsheba, who David committed adultery with, Ahithophel was the grandfather. Now, it's easy when people sin against you to become embittered. And when Absalom rose up as a uh, rival to David, Ahithophel not only saw the crowd joining in, but saw an opportunity to join with Absalom and get the better of David. David. his heart was swayed swayed by absalom's charm outward show of confidence and all israel embracing this popular political leader now matthew henry one of our uh, one of my favorite uh, commentators writes this about Ahithophel. he said he advised absalom to have sexual relations with david's concubines that all israel should see it where do you think that advice would come from you know, a tent was accordingly spread on top of the house for the purpose so that Absalom could impudently declare his sinful activity with David's concubines and show his rule over Israel. He had replaced his father. Why would Ahithophel give him such advice as this? Well, actually, this was what God had declared through Nathan was going to happen. Nathan had said when David sinned with Bathsheba in 2 Samuel 12:11, now therefore the sword shall never depart from your house because you have despised me, have taken the wife of Uriah the Hittite to be your wife. Thus says the Lord, behold, I will raise up evil against you out of your own house. I will raise up evil, this is all happening, against you out of your own house and I will take your wives before your eyes and give them to your neighbour and he shall lie with your wives in the sight of the sun. When God speaks, it's going to happen. When God speaks, it's going to happen. You did it secretly, he said to David, but I will do this thing before all Israel and before the sun. So yes, uh, this advice Ahithopal gives to Absalom is a fulfillment of a prophecy. But why is Ahithophel giving it? Well, commentators suggest that he is seeking revenge. Personal revenge on David for his behavior with his granddaughter. The injury done to Bathsheba. But what to think of these conc- concubines who submitted to this wickedness? Well, Matthew Henry says, I know not. But how unrighteous soever soever Absalom and, and they were, we must say. So all that is happening is actually under the mighty hand of God to bring about his purposes, his discipline of David, but he has not rejected David. Who has God called to be king of Israel? Who has God anointed to be king of Israel? David. Of course, what was David's response to his sin? David's response to his sin is actually the reason why David is a man after God's own heart. It's not because he was sinless, no man is sinless except Jesus. But David's response to his sin is recorded for us almost immediately after the conviction that Nathan brings. "'Have mercy on me, O God. "'According to your steadfast love, "'according to your abundant mercy, "'blot out my transgressions.'" and take not your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me with a willing spirit. Then I will teach transgressors your ways and sinners will return to you. Deliver me from blood guiltiness, O God, O God of my salvation, and my tongue will sing aloud of your righteousness. David's response to his own sin is the most crucial Testimony in the whole story of David's life, when you contrast it with Saul, when you contrast it with Absalom, with Ahithophel, with all these others, were they really broken over their own sin before God? There is no evidence in the lives of these ones I've mentioned of that taking place. In fact, Ahithophel, who gives this counsel to Absalom to go into battle immediately against David as he would have been weary and and worn and he could have had victory. When Absalom rejects this advice in uh, favouring Hushai, what does Ahithophel do? When Ahithophel saw that his counsel was not followed, he saddled his donkey, went off home to his own city, he set his house in order and hanged himself and he died and was buried in the tomb of his father. Where is the evidence in any of this of him dealing with his own sin? You see, God has provided salvation. Even for David, he provided a, 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 an awareness of who God really is, one who can create in, in him a clean heart, one in who who can wash him clean. He believed God was able to do this. Cast him not away from his presence, take not his Holy Spirit, restore the joy of his salvation to his own heart. But none, none of this with Ahithophel. Remember Saul. None of that really with Saul. What did he do in the end? When we don't deal with sin in our own hearts, we leave the door open for the enemy of souls to have his way with us. Jesus came as a saviour to save us from our sin, from the devil and his devices and from the corruption that is in this world. You will see Aethypah's end is a reminder to us all of the sovereignty of God over all creation. Having been rejected in his counsel, seeing that his position is no longer secure, Aethypah commits suicide. All suicide is evidently connected to the enemy of souls. Jesus said the thief comes only to steal, to kill, and destroy. King Saul ended the same way. When Judas Iscariot, one of Jesus' disciples, was constantly presented with things to challenge his sin, he refused. What happened in the end? He left the door open. Well, David comes to Mahanaim, Here he is in retreat, running from Absalom's great army of Israelites. And it would appear that Absalom has the upper hand because Absalom has mustered the whole of Israel now. And we read here in this passage that um, Absalom crossed the Jordan with all the men of Israel. He looks like he's in a hopeless position. Except he's dealt with his sin. And no one who deals with their sin is ever in a hopeless position. And you will see in this story a most beautiful thing take place. A bit like Ittai the Gittite. Remember Ittai the Gittite? The man from Gath who recognised the character of this man David and was willing to forsake all of his past, his heritage, his own tribe and family, and join David's army. Why did he do that? Because he saw a quality in David's life that shone through. And what was it? A man who dealt with his sin. A man who faced his sin and humbled himself before God. As the Apostle Paul will hear Paul's instruction a bit uh, later on in this message, as the Apostle Paul says, God's aim for all of us is love that flows from a pure heart, a good conscience and sincere faith. This is what is flowing out of David. Do you ever see in David revenge? Have a close look, even with Saul when he's attacked. Even with Absalom when he's finally killed. David is in remorse over these events. There's no revenge here. His heart is washed clean, is purified. And as a result, God who... As he said to Samuel, God does not look at the outward appearance. He doesn't because as the lamb was talking about this morning. Don't judge by outward appearances. Judge correctly. God looks on the hearts of every one of us when we're dealing with our own sin. God knows that. He knows absolutely every person who deals with their sin. And this is David. And here we have him in retreat. We read these words. Absalom crosses over with all the men of Israel. Now Absalom had set Amasa and the army instead of Joab. And Amasa was the son. He goes on to describe the strength of his army. When David came to Mahinahim with Absalom, notice here, encamped in the land of Gilead, encamped in territory. You're going to read who's going to help David in a moment. The very people in whom Absalom has encamped his own army are going to be helping David. When David came to Mahinaimes Shobi, the son of Nahash from Rabbah of the Ammonites. The Ammonites, who are the Ammonites? Well, I have to look that up, of course. They are the descendants of Lot. The descendants of Lot? Other descendants of Lot were Moab and all these tribes that were regarded as being uh, outcasts of Israel. And here you have the Ammonites. What do they do? The Ammonites and Makur the son of Amiel from Lodabar and Barzillai the Gileadite from Rogalim brought beds, basins, Earthen vessels, wheat, barley, flour, parched grain, beans, and lentils, honey, and curds, and sheep and cheese from the from the herd for David and the people with him to eat. Totally unexpected source of supply, people who would not normally be your supporters, providing everything you need when you're weary and worn out and in desperate need. Suddenly, from nowhere, these things arrive. Who is really providing all of this? Who is really behind the motivating forces that are influencing these people? And why are they taking such such a, a significant step of providing provisions for the one that Absalom is trying to kill? Why do you think they come to David's aid at this time? Why do they even know about him? Do you know your reputation goes with you? Do you know the way that you live your life in this world is noticed by people? You may not know it, but there are people watching you. People who don't know the Lord, people who have no no close connection with God. They are watching the way you live your life. And just like Itai the Gittite from Gath, they see the amazing character of this man David and his people. And they respond with an abundance of generosity and care, seeking to maintain and strengthen David so that he can eventually fight Absalom and win the battle. And the Apostle Paul tells us of the same God. When he writes to the Philippians, he says this, I rejoiced in the Lord greatly, that now at length you've revived your concern for me. You were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. Not that I'm speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I'm to be content. I know how to be brought low, I know how to abound in any and every circumstance. I've learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger abundance and need, I can do all things through him who strengthens me because my trust is in him. Yet it was kind of you to share my trouble. And you Philippians, you yourselves know that in the beginning of the gospel when I left Macedonia, no church entered into partnership with me in giving and receiving except you only. Why did they do this? Why did they make such provision for this man? Because of his character, because of his message, because he brought the good news of the gospel that enabled them to get free of their own sins and get liberated from being in captivity. Remember what his message is to Timothy. The aim of our charge is love that issues from a pure heart, a good conscience and sincere faith, get rid of all other teaching. This is Paul's message. So you have to deal with sin for love to flow from a pure heart. Just like David. And then he says, Even in Thessalonica, you sent me help for my needs once and again. Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that increases to your credit. I have received full payment and more. I am well supplied, having received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent, a fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. And then he says this, And my God, my God, not somebody else's God, My God, the God I worship, the God who has taught me to deal with my heart. That's why I bring the message to you, to deal with your heart. My God will supply every need of yours according to the riches in glory in Christ Jesus. God who sees the hearts of every person on earth He knows whether you're dealing with your sin, just like David out there in the wilderness. He knows David's heart and he is going to supply every need of his for the battle he faces because he describes him as a man after my own heart who will address the issues that affect his relationship with me. And Paul is saying the same thing. My God will supply every need of yours according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. To our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen.